Welcome to Inside the Draft, a weekly preview of the upcoming NFL Draft with insiders from around the country. Hey, welcome into another installment of Inside the Draft, our weekly look at the upcoming NFL Draft. I'm Matt Taylor, and the calendar has officially turned to March, which means we are less than two months away from the 2022 NFL Draft at the end of April. And it's an important draft. They're all important drafts, but the Colts are looking to rebound from a 9-8 and eight season, and they are looking to continue to infuse the roster with young and impactful talent. Big part of the draft process, as we all know, is the NFL Scouting Combine, and that's where Casey Vallier and I chatted up with NFL Draft Insider Ryan Wilson from CBS and CBS Sports HQ. And Ryan was nice enough to give us plenty of his time to talk about the Colts how the draft lines up for their needs, and the Colts quarterback situation this offseason as well. So without further ado, myself, Casey Vallier, with Ryan Wilson from earlier this week at the NFL Scouting Combine in downtown Indy. NFL Scouting Combine 2022, joined now by Ryan Wilson, NFL and NFL Draft Insider for CBS, CBS Sports HQ, and you also hear him all the time on the Pick 6 podcast. You're a busy man, sir. Welcome back to Indianapolis. How are you? Matt, it is good to see you. I think, is this our first face-to-face? I think so. Yeah, usually we talk over the phone. We do it on the phone. Yeah, so this is great. Because you're scared of me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're you're much taller than I am, so (laughs) there's there's a reason for that. No, it's good to see you. It's good to be here. I'm glad things are starting to feel sort of normal both in the real world and and NFL-wise. Absolutely. So what was it like? I mean, you're back in Indianapolis for the Combine. How refreshing is this to get back to normalcy, so to speak, to do your job and cover the event leading into the draft, which you do 24-7? Yeah, first of all, I love Indianapolis. So it's it's, sometimes you arrive at a city and you you can sort of – your anxiety – as you're driving from the airport, it sort of hits you. Not with, like India is, it's like so easy to get around downtown. Everyone's so incredibly nice. Everything's so well laid out. And the weather this week is going to be great, which is nice as well. So mm-hmm. I'm happy to be back for that. I'm happy to see these players come through because two years ago, the last time we were here with CBS, we got a chance to interview probably 50 or 60 guys. And that's invaluable for me just in terms of getting an idea of what these guys are like in person, right. uh, how they answer certain questions. I mean, we're not trying to surprise anyone. Uh, actually, Two years ago, that was when there was some conversation whether Joe Burrow would uh, play for the Bengals. And uh, we had Justin Herbert on set. He was God, that feels like four years <laughs> ago. Does, man. You're he, not is so, he is such a nice guy. And I actually said to him, I said, Justin, are you willing to say right here, right now, you will play for the Bengals? And I was joking. And he looked like, <laughs> you know, I just pulled out a, a naked picture of him that I was going to post on, on Twitter or something. Uh, but, no, it, it is, it's invaluable for me. And it's, a, it's almost it feels like a last chance to see these guys before they become big time because yeah. as you get through the process, the pro days are usually, you know, they're not very much media there, but when they get to the draft night and then they're in the NFL, mm-hmm. their lives are going to change. So it's uh, like the last run at uh, normal human beings. It, it, it's sort of innocence before these guys <laughs> yeah. really blow up. Well, one of the things I want to dive into, you, you mentioned, you know, if you go back, I'd probably say over the last five years it's been – quarterback heavy at the top and this year seems to be a little different so you know just kind of from an outsider's perspective who are those groups you're looking at as those top tier you know when you're looking at the top you know couple picks well the good news is those teams at the top of the draft are typically up there um, because either they don't have a franchise quarterback or they do and they need offensive line help so offensive line is incredibly deep and there'll be some discussion about who goes first uh, among the offensive linemen who goes first overall it won't be a quarterback Uh, edge rush class is deep Wide receiver class is deep. The tight end class is deep, but it probably starts in round two 
maybe the middle of round two there. Uh, cornerback class is deep. So there are a lot of positions that maybe aren't necessarily sexy, offensive line, for example, but are incredibly important. Uh, if you're the Jaguars number one, for example, I mean, you could take an edge rusher. You've taken one and two of the last three drafts with a first-round pick, or you could try to protect Trevor Lawrence and maybe – and it would be a reach to take an offensive lineman first overall. But is it a big reach? Is it one where you're going to feel bad about the, the decision to protect Trevor Lawrence? I don't think so. So I think those are the things that the Jaguars are going to have to sort out. I was at the Senior Bowl talking to someone in that organization, and they were like, God, I hope these quarterbacks light it up this week because we want someone to trade up. So we can, you know, <laughs> we don't want to be in this position back-to-back right. years for the first-round pick. So, yeah, offensive line, edge rush, cornerback, wide receivers, those are all guys um, – that have a chance to play right away and help these teams that need those guys right away. That's Ryan Wilson, NFL and NFL Draft Insider for CBS and CBS Sports HQ. What is wrong? I I hate to use that phrase, but what's wrong with the quarterbacks? Why is the crop of quarterbacks this year not on par with what we've seen the last couple of years? I just think it's one of those down years. And here's the other thing, and we get caught up in this, and I'm as guilty as anyone. If they're not a quote-unquote first-round pick, they they are not good. Russell Wilson was a third-round pick. Um, obviously, Kirk Cousins won the fourth round. Jimmy Garoppolo is a second-round pick. You can find guys there. Uh, but we want everyone to be a first-round pick. Part of the problem, it's the media's fault. We do these mock drafts, and I've been doing one every week since September, which is you know borderline insane. <laughs> but that's what the bosses want, and people react to it. That's why I keep right. doing it. <laughs> yeah, but there's a need. Yes, right. they do. So there's only 32 picks, and if you don't see a quarterback there, you're thinking, well, this guy isn't good. And also, when you come off the, the stretch we've had in the last three or four years where these quarterbacks have been so good, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it gets your attention. So this class feels more like the 2013 class. I think it's going to be better than that class where only E.J. Manuel went the first round at 16. 39 was Geno Smith. By the way, Geno Smith is somehow still in the league. He's the only quarterback yeah. on that draft class. Yeah. Still get it done. He started a few games last year. And this group feels like, realistically, I have a first-round grade of Matt Corral, and, and that's it. The rest of the guys are second-round picks for various reasons. Again, not the end of the world. Doesn't mean these guys can't be good, but it's no Joe Burrow. There's no Trevor Lawrence. There's no, not even a Kyler Murray. And that's just the reality of it. So we'll see if... And this is also going to be the fun part. There may not be any marquee Trevor Lawrence-type players at the quarterback position, but we'll see if teams can talk themselves into taking one of these guys as a top six pick where the Panthers pick, a top nine pick where the Falcons pick, and what happens from there. Because the other issue is you don't want to miss on an opportunity to get a guy who can be good later. And by that, I mean Malik Willis. Like if there's a, I, yeah. I've been saying if there's a 20% chance he's Josh Allen or even 70% of Josh Allen, you have to take him in the first round, mm-hmm. and you, you figure it out. But you also don't want to be the, the, the Bears who, who pass on Mahomes and, and Watson right. and take Trubisky at number two or number three, wherever they took him. So with that being said, do you, do you envision seeing a lot more trading for other positions? Because typically you're, you're trading up for quarterbacks, so it sounds more like people are going to be trading back. So you think there's going to be more trades early in the draft this year? That's a great question, Casey, because I, I wonder if there will be any trades like early on just because – do people like you might want to trade up? So the Buccaneers traded up for Tristan Wirfs a few years ago. Trade up one spot, and it was the right decision. Uh, if Kayvon Thibodeau falls, if he gets past four or five, is there a team that might want to go get him? And now there, there aren't off-field issues with Kayvon Thibodeau, but I've talked to teams that have been like, well, we'll see. We don't know how he, he's going to take hard coaching, and that's sort of been the, the underlying talking point. He's a fantastic player. And also, I heard from, from a team that said, maybe we're overthinking this thing. He's really good. So would someone trade for him? I don't know. If Aiden Hutchinson fell to four or five, would someone trade for him? Maybe. I think there's more like, likely to see trade for offensive tackles. Uh, if yeah. there's a run on yeah. Iquanu and Neal, 
the top four or five picks, does a team want to go get a Charles Cross, for example? Or maybe even closer to the middle of the first round, does a team want to get Kenyon Green, who plays all four positions at Texas A&M? Because, you know, as we keep discussing, if you don't have offensive line, it doesn't matter. Right. Like, Trevor Lawrence took a whooping last year, and he was so good at college. And I don't know if Zach Wilson's good or not. Like, mm-hmm. I have no idea. He could be terrible. He could be a Hall of Famer. But he spent so much time on his back. And, look, the Jets tried to address the offensive line. Mekhi Becton was hurt. Elijah Bear Tucker played pretty well when he was on the field. So, again, it's not entirely the, the fault of the, the front office. It just didn't work out health-wise. But right. I will be interested to see if someone trades up. Maybe someone. it would be fun to see if someone trades up for one of these wide receivers because they're clumped together so closely in terms of who's number one, number two, number three. And maybe a team moves up in the middle of round one to grab one of those guys. Yeah, as, you, as you said, it's going to be another really good, deep, draft class at wide receiver and it wasn't that long ago that a lot of people said hey you don't need elite play at wide receiver in order to make a deep run in order to win a Super Bowl but what we've seen the last couple of years Kansas City Cincinnati the Rams with Cooper Cup has has that changed is that no longer true I think Jamar Chase has changed some people's opinions. Yeah. Because the remember a conversation a year ago was, okay, did the Bengals take Panay Sewell or did they take Jamar Chase? They took Jackson Carmen in round two. And, and that dominated for three months. Oh, yeah. That conversation. And they thought they were, they thought they were wrong. That's right. Taking and Chase. I, I'm pretty sure I'm on record saying I think I would go with Panay Sewell just because of the beating Joe Burrow took. In retrospect, they made 100% the right decision. Mm-hmm. Now, Joe Burrow might disagree in terms of how his body feels right now, <laughs> but they got to the Super Bowl in large part because Jamar Chase – was uncoverable one-on-one, and oftentimes right. when he was double-teamed. And you have that with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, and then you're, you're cooking with gas. So uh, there's no Jamar Chase in this class, but Garrett Wilson, he reminds me of Odell Beckham in terms of his explosiveness. Drake London, I was talking to a team that compared him to a bigger version of Devontae Adams. That sort of gets your attention because mm-hmm. Devontae Adams is pretty good. Traylon Burks is just scratching the surface and how good he can be. He's, he's a taller, thicker version of Anquan Bolden, but he's fast. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. And give him to the give him the football in the end of rounds. Uh, there's Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson's yeah. teammate, who might mm-hmm. even run faster than, than Garrett, and I, I like Garrett a little better. Jameson Williams, who tore his ACL. Oh, right. But I talked to three teams. That they said he's a first-round pick. Like, don't overthink it. He'll be ready in October, November, and then you know what you're getting at him. Mm-hmm. So exactly, I, I think now no one's going to go as high as five. I don't think that would that would be uh, that would be a huge surprise. But I think certainly around 10, 11, 12, these guys start going off the board. One of the local flavor, you got David Bell. He had an yeah. incredible career at Purdue. I know he's you got the Indianapolis ties. What do you envision out of David Bell? Is he a second, third round guy? Or I think I have him as a day two guy right now. He's he's huge, but he plays much faster. Because sometimes these guys get big and they're sort of plotting. He is not that at all. How the hell has David Bell not a first round pick? I know, right? I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, just, I'm, I'm a big a, Purdue fan. I'm an so, IU yeah. fan, so hell, he's a first round <laughs> <Yeah>. pick. Was <laughs> <laughs> that the game he had 200 plus? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Well, yeah. he had multiple games <laughs> yeah. against Indiana, no, it seemed like. But that's the thing. These receivers are so good, and these offenses have, have evolved so much in college. Yeah. And you have guys like that that are huge playmakers. But, again, Michael Pittman was a second-round pick. That's true. Michael Pittman right. was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so you could have a conversation. And here's the other thing that happens, and I talked myself out of T. Higgins as a first-round pick at the time because, again, oh, he doesn't create enough separation. And I had a couple scouts tell me this at Senior Bowl. If the, if the draft were January 15th, we wouldn't have time to overthink all this stuff. David Bell is probably a first-round pick. T. Higgins should have gone in the first round. Mm-hmm. Michael Pittman could have very easily be a first-round pick. Right. But we're just finding reasons to have, uh, have doubts about these kids who have proven time and time again that they're good football players. David Bell is a great football player, but much in the same way that just because a quarterback goes in round two doesn't mean he's a bad football player. You just run out of – after 32 picks, someone right. has to go in round two. But that's what the NFL wants us to do. They yeah. want us to come to the combine <laughs> right. and talk for 15 exactly. minutes about the draft and overanalyze things. I mean, absolutely. Do, do you think the league would be in better shape if, if the draft was sooner in the offseason? 
Well, it's funny. The question last year was, okay, since everything's shut down, will there be less overthinking things by these NFL teams? Hell no. And Right. You still <laughs> – right. You can do it on Zoom exactly. instead of in, in person. Yeah. So uh, that's a great question. Would you make fewer mistakes? Maybe. Like I don't know what the, the, the math is on that. Uh, just anecdotally, it feels like if you have less time to overanalyze something, you might make better decisions right. because you have all the data. It's not like you're making a gut decision based on just, oh, I saw this, so this is what I think. You, yeah. the, the area scouts have done all their work in the fall. Uh, you can do the medicals. If you do the medicals in January or whatever, after the season ended, you still have all that information. You can meet with the players. You just don't have six weeks to talk yourself into or out of a player, uh, I would Precisely. imagine. Right. Yeah, I mean, I know that te- there were some teams that had a fourth-round grade on Trubisky. Clearly, Ryan Pace said – well, and I get it. You have to sometimes overdraft these quarterbacks and hope it works out. He mm-hmm. didn't play a ton at North Carolina, and it was, uh, you know, sort of the same way that Ryan Tannehill didn't play it. He was a wide receiver, Texas right. and you're you're throwing the you're rolling the dice, and that was the, the luck draft class. That was the RG three draft class. Yep. Ryan Tannehill's still here, so you just never know what you're going to get. No doubt about that. That's Ryan Wilson, NFL and NFL Draft Insider. You see him all the time on CBS Sports HQ. You read his stuff on CBSSports.com. All right, let's tie in the draft and the league. Let's tie in the Colts. What do you make of of their situation here with Carson Wentz? How surprised are you that we're sitting here at the Combine, you know, two months after the season, talking about the possibility of him not returning to Indianapolis after one year when they last offseason traded a first-round pick to to get him in here? Yeah, I I understand why you make that trade. And, again, you're, you're, you're banking, you're betting on the quarterback, and that's sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And, I mean, at points during the season, you saw glimpses of Carson Wentz, Philadelphia, good version. And then at other times, you're like, okay, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when these guys aren't playing up to their capabilities, I wonder if there's some injuries that we don't know about or something else is going on. And it just it just didn't work. Now, I don't know. I don't think the Colts have said anything. It's only been reports about Carson Wentz's future. So we'll see. But either way, the first-round pick ain't coming back. So either it ain't coming back with or without Carson Wentz, and then you have to do that math and figure out, are there better options out there? Is Jimmy Garoppolo an upgrade over Carson Wentz? Yeah, but, I mean, I mean, does he excite anyone other than the fact that he's extremely handsome? I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm as a Steelers guy, I don't want Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's just I don't think he helps my team enough to, to, to be better than, than what they need to be to compete. Um, so, I mean, there's the Jameis Winston out there. We'll see what he does. And there's also all the, the guys who free agency – excuse me, like Aaron Rodgers, Russ Wilson, those guys. Right. And that's going to cost you a lot. So I'll be interested to see how this unfolds in terms of what Chris Ballard and the Colts decide to do. The division's not great. I mean, if you can get Carson to do what you want him to do, then absolutely I think you can roll with him. But you have to wonder, the whole point was Frank Wright got so much out of Carson in their time together in Philadelphia, and you didn't see that last season enough to perhaps feel good about it. So – I don't know. Like, I, I want to give Carson the benefit of the doubt, but there were moments where you were wondering, okay, what, what's going on? Well, one of the areas that I know a lot of people around here in, in Indianapolis have talked about is, you know, just giving him more weapons. And you, you mentioned one of the, one of the uh, positions of need that they've, they've talked about after the season was tight end. And I know you mentioned it's a deep tight end yeah. class. So tying it into the draft, we've got – there's questions about whether Jack Doyle is going to retire. Mo Ali Cox is impending free agent. So that leaves Kylan Granson, who had just 10 catches as his rookie in 2021. So when you look at this draft class, let's say the Colts there at round two, is there a round two explosive player that can give you that additional weapon to put with yeah, Carson Wentz's arsenal. For sure. Greg Dulcich out of UCLA is a guy who had a really good senior bowl, and he's a playmaker in terms of being an option in the pass game. He needs to get better as a blocker, but a lot of times these tight ends need to get better as blockers. Trey McBride out of Colorado State, is I, he's my Q, uh, my wide receiver one, uh, tight end one. I know a lot, uh, a lot of draft analysts like uh, Dulcich a little better, and that's fine. Uh, it's okay to have differing opinions, but he will block you 
through the back door of the stadium, and he is, is a playmaker offensively. He may not run fast this week, but I, I think that Hawkinson ran the four sevens. Like, okay, yeah. At the end of the day, who cares? Like Noah Fant ran four five or something. I don't know that Hawkinson's a worse player than Fant. They're different types of players. Um, so they're, they're, Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina is a little smaller at 240. Again, he can make some plays for you in the middle of the field, but he will also block his, his behind off, and that's part of what you need to get on the field early as a tight end if you're playing in, in the inline position, if you're playing in the slot or, or, or something more uh, yeah. downfield-oriented. That, that's another conversation. So th- there are a ton of guys in rounds two and three that you could get to come in right away. Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin. Jeremy Rucker, who didn't catch a lot of balls at Ohio State. He's a great blocker, but he has a chance to be one of these guys who wasn't central to their offense because they had Olave and, and Garrett Wilson and uh, Smith and Jaguar. He can come in right away and do some things that maybe you didn't see him do at Ohio State and be like, oh, this guy's, this guy's a player as well. Final couple of things with uh, Ryan Wilson. He's our guest. You talk about it being very heavy, potentially at the top, offensive linemen and tackles. The Colts, if they want to get that long-term answer, because Anthony Costanza retired a couple years ago, Eric Fisher is another free agent for the Colts, uh, you know, what, what do they do at that position? If they, if they use a high draft pick, say first or second round on a tackle. They want that guy to be plug and play. He's a true left tackle. Are there going to be leftover tackles in round two, given the fact the Colts don't have a first round pick? There'll be some guys there for sure. I mean, Nicholas, but how much of a project would those guys be? So Nicholas Petit Friere played at Ohio State, and he's played up against he's played against some dudes. Now that Michigan game, don't watch that game if you're trying to get pumped up about having Ohio State <laughs> offensive lineman because Aiden Hutchinson and Dan Ajabo had a did some things. He's a good, solid player. Uh, Tyler Smith out of Tulsa is a is a huge man who's only going to get better, has a lot of athletic traits that you like at that position. Daniel Falele out of Minnesota is 387. He moves much better, better wow. than that. And I, he's 6'9", six, 6'8", six, 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 387. Only been playing football for a couple years, and he's going to get better. And I was talking to a scout that said sometimes you watch him play, he looks like a first-round pick. Uh-huh. And other times he looks like a third- or fourth-round pick because, again, it's a process. But, again, that Ohio State game, he is wrecking guys. And Ohio State isn't some, you know, NAIA program. He he played extremely well, and you see glimpses of that throughout the season. But he could be there in round two. Uh, Darren Kennard out of Kentucky is another mauler. Uh, plays right tackle. He may end up kicking inside, but he has that versatility. Trevor Penny out of Northern Iowa, 6'9", plays with an edge. Like He almost plays sometimes too angry. But sometimes that's what you need. Like, no one thinks Quentin Nelson's soft. Quentin <laughs> right. Nelson's sending messages out there, and people are receiving those messages. That's sort of how Trevor Penning is. And uh, Bernard Raymond out of uh, Central Michigan, he plays left tackle, right tackles Luke Gedeke. Both those guys mm-hmm. could be round two, round three guys. And Raymond's young in terms of he hasn't played a lot of football. He's, he moved from Austria uh, not too long ago, converted tight end. So he has that athleticism, but he's only going to get stronger and get better. And Gedeke's actually more of a technician right now. But those guys can come in and, and give you reps right away. Uh, Raymond and Falalele perhaps need some time because you're younger in terms of their experience, but you're investing in the future, and, and I like the upside in those guys. I want to go back at the very beginning. Talk about the combine. How many combines is this for you? So I actually didn't start covering the draft for CBS until October 2018, so 19, 20, 21, 22. So this is technically my okay. third because I didn't come last year. All right. Well, yeah. you've been around enough, though. Yeah. You, you've seen it evolve. Even in that short time, it's – it's definitely graduated to some things. 100%. So two-part question. First part is, how have you seen the combine change for the good, for the positive? I think it gets the fans more involved. It's sort of like media night uh, at the Super Bowl. Um, when I started covering, uh, my first Super Bowl was the Indianapolis Super Bowl in 2011-2012 season. Mm-hmm. Um, they started letting fans, that may have been the first year, they started letting fans in. To, the, to Radio Row. To Radio Row and to the to the um, 
the uh, the media day. Uh, the, uh-huh. the, the yes, like the the morning. It was in the morning. Correct. The, the players would come in, like uh-huh. Tom Brady and and Ayla Manning, and fans would sit in the stands just listen to them talk. Yeah. So right behind us. Hell here, of a deal, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so you made twenty five bucks for that. <laughs> uh, but right behind us is the bench press area. There's a slew of stands that people can come yeah, in and yell right. and scream, and that's that's cool. And fans can mill about here, and they can see their favorite um, college players walk by. And I I think the NFL has done a great job of getting the fans more involved. And, and making it more of an immersive experience. And, and that's great to see. And, right. um, you know, because 20 years ago, it was just a – you remember it used to be the, the Brown strength coach that mm-hmm. was the guy yelling and screaming at the guys who in the bench press, and he was sort of the show. And now the fans get to be part of the experience, and, and I think they like that. All right, how have you seen the combine grow negatively? I don't know if it, if it has. Like, I, I suppose coming into this combine, the concerns about um, – why are we putting these kids in the bubble? Why aren't they allowed to be with their trainers? And yeah. luckily, the the agents pushed, um, pushed, and, and the NFL caved. And I, I think that was the right decision. I, I, I get it if it were twenty twenty, or we're just right in the middle of the pandemic, and you wanted to keep like last year's version. Right. I keep the kids in the bubble, but the you know the mass mandates of are no longer, uh, you know, being mandated. So it right. seems to me that these guys who have been training at their facilities for weeks now, and are used to routines where they work out pre-workout with their trainer, the stretching afterwards, they work out with a therapist or whatever, and their masseuses. And that seemed weird to me. But other than that, I I, I think they this is – I was just telling my, my coworkers yesterday, like I love the Senior Bowl and I, I love the Combine because they're two experiences where you get an opportunity to talk to these players that you don't typically get, mm-hmm. whether you college, cover college football or obviously once they get to the NFL because of the access. You talk about – Putting out mock drafts in September and October. <laughs> oh, what, what, what's a weekend like for you? Because you're obviously very clued into the NFL, as we just yeah. heard. So, I mean, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, do you get a life? I mean, do you get to, I mean, is it Uber Eats or are you bringing in food? Like, how, how do you have a chance to breathe? It is. Look, I love my job. So, But, right, Saturday and Sundays in the fall, I look forward to the end of the college football season yeah. in November because I get a little break on Saturdays. Because Saturdays, typically, I'm watching all the college, the quarterbacks that I, I sort of are guys were sort of following right like this year obviously the Matt Corrales and Malik Willis's and, and the Carson Strong's and Sam Howell's Kenny Pickett's and then Sunday you know I'm either in the studio in Stanford Connecticut uh, working there and watching the games or at home right. and then we do uh, the, the Pick 6 podcast afterwards so it, like it, it makes for long days but I love it luckily like I'm not you know as my dad said you could be digging ditches nah. so, so there's that but yeah but it, it, I've heard that somewhere yeah, before me too yeah so I, I keep that at the end of the day mind. we all get to talk about football <laughs> right so how bad right. can it be yeah now the guy digging ditches is probably talking football too but outstandingly done Ryan Wilson CBS Sports HQ I told you before we started that you know working remotely for a lot of the last couple of years I've got I've got it on all day, every day. It's like wallpaper, and I there you are. I appreciate it. I appreciate it so Looking much. good as always. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you, Casey. Thanks for being here. It's Ryan Wilson from CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ at the NFL Scouting Combine in downtown Indianapolis.